Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another Tiger Hawk Sports Podcast. I'm alongside my partner, Chris, and we got plenty in store for you guys today. That we do, and today we will be doing Rip the Rankings again with our tight ends. Um, There was plenty of news coming out of the NFL with extensions and signings, and we have our best and worst GM of the offseason. So why don't we hop right into this right now. Um, I have CBS again. Chris has USA Today for our tight end with the rankings. So they had Travis Kelsey, CBS. I have Kelsey, number one. I think that's a no-brainer there. Top tight end, top QB, him throwing the ball. Consistent numbers, so I got Kelsey, number one. Um, USA Today had Kittle at number one, and I completely agree. Uh, Kittle just got his contract extension. He's pretty much the only guy in San Francisco that Jimmy Garoppolo trusts with the ball. Um, I think he's going to be number one. And then at number two, again, they had Kelsey and I have Kelsey. Top two guys, pretty much interchangeable, but Kelsey has a little bit much more competition for targets, so that's why I'm lower than Kittle right now. So CBS had Kittle on number two, and yet again, I had Kittle on number two. Um, I see Kittle at number two as a no-brainer there. I think it's easy for putting Kittle at number two. With like my partner Chris said, it's interchangeable between which guy you put there. Um, Kittle gets a lot of targets in San Francisco, so number two is a solid spot for him. And I'm going to talk about number three. Uh, CBS actually has done a really good job this week. They have Zach Ertz number three. I also have Zach Ertz number three. Um, I, a lot of people say Zach Ertz didn't get a lot of targets. Maybe it's because they have another tight end in Dallas Goddard. But I just think that Wentz, when healthy, yes, when healthy, Ertz is a top tight end. And I think he gets the targets, he gets, like Kato, Ertz trusts Ertz. Wentz trusts Ertz with the ball, and no brainer, so Ertz is number three, no doubt. Um, USA Today has Ertz in number three, and I have Mark Andrews in number three. A lot of people put Ertz in the top five, and I just can't see it. I can't see. Maybe a couple years ago when Goddard wasn't there and they are getting receivers, they have a receiving back now. So I just can't put Ertz in my top five. That's why I have Mark Andrews. Um, Lamar Jackson's going to come out this year and try and prove every single doubter wrong because there's still guys that say he's a running back and not a quarterback. And the Ravens love their tight ends. That's why I have him at three. And at four, they have Gronk. And I can't see Gronk being a top ten tight end again. I think the Bucks have too many weapons with Evans and Godwin, and I know Gronk's Brady's guy, but I still can't see him in the top ten. That's why I have Evan Ingram. And I think Evan Ingram is very interesting, and that's because I believe his floor is tight end five. I think he won't go any lower than five. And many people forget that he is a productive tight end. He gets hurt a lot, but if he stays healthy, he's one of the best. I mean, he ended up, he's been in the league, what, three years now? He's been top 10 every single year. He's number nine his rookie year, and he's been seven the last two, I'm pretty sure. So that's why he's my number four. Um, I think he's going to create a connection with Daniel Jones, and I think it's going to be pretty fun to watch. So CBS Sports had Mark Andrews number four. I also have Mark Andrews number four. Um, I see Andrews having another great year. He had, he had a good year last year. I can always see him rising the rankings. Now that Hayden Hurst is also out there, it takes away targets from that. So he can get more targets coming from Lamar Jackson, who will be more passing to be this upcoming season. Um, I'm going to go to my number five. Like my partner Chris said, uh, USA Today had Gronk at four. CBS says Gronk at five. I don't see it at all. To me, 
telling me that you're going to have Gronk at five because Brady and Gronk had a duo together. Well, that means nothing. One, Gronk has been out a year, so if maybe he won't be as good. And I'm not using that excuse at all. I just don't think Gronk and Brady were the same chemistry with all the weapons they have, and they have O.J. Howard if they don't get rid of him. He's still on the team, if, I, if you guys don't mark me wrong here. So I have Waller at five, and I loved Darren Waller last year. I was fortunate enough to have my fantasy team. It helped me out a lot. So Darren Waller, solid tight end in Oakland. Had a connection with Derek Carr. Definitely in the top five tight end out there. Uh, 100% agree. Like Noah, I have Darren Waller at 5, and USA Today has Austin Hooper at 5. Austin Hooper is similar to Gronk, where um, he's a great talent, and he was very productive in Atlanta, but going over to Cleveland, I just don't see him being a top 10 production. I mean, they have OBJ, who I think is going to be absolutely outstanding this year. They have Jarvis Landry, if he's back healthy. They even have David Njoku, and they're a running team. I mean, they have Mick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, so there's just way too many places the football needs to be, and I just don't think that... I think Hooper is definitely a good tight end. I just don't see him top 10 this year. Um, And then number six, USA Today has Jared Cook on the Saints, and that's where I put Ertz. I think Ertz is still a top 10 tight end, don't get me wrong. I just don't think he's top five. I mean, last year you saw his production diminish a little bit um, with Goddard getting the ball a lot more. Uh, they just drafted Jalen Rieger, so you know they're going to want to get the ball in his hands. Um, and I know this sounds kind of – it kind of goes off topic with the argument a little bit, but they do play the Cowboys twice a year, and the Cowboys have the best linebacking court in the NFL. So when you put Ertz against Jalen Smith or Leighton Van Der Esch, I don't see him getting the ball that much. Um, and the Giants just got Blake Martinez. They play him twice a year. I don't see him getting involved much against Blake Martinez either. So I think Ertz is going to diminish just a little bit. He's still a top ten because he's Carson Wentz's guy. Um, that's why I have him at six. I mean, I, I see where you're coming from, Chris, here. But to me, I think when you have that talent and the Ertz has, and no matter the weapons they have, I mean, Wentz, is, Wentz and Ertz, that, that's his guy for Wentz is Ertz. So I really think that Ertz is still going to have this great year. But I'll move into my number six. And I have Evan Ingram. And to be honest, Evan Ingram, yes, maybe he could have been a little higher on my list. But I put him at six for plenty of reasons here. One, Evan Ingram doesn't get the hype and that everyone thinks he deserves. So when you think about Evan Ingram in his stats, yes, he's been a top ten. Yes, he can be staying on the field because uh, injuries at all. But Evan Ingram doesn't really have a connection built with Dan Jones just yet. So when you think of a tight end duo, mostly, it is with connections and what he can do. See, Actually, I'm pretty sure that uh, Ingram and Jones, when they were on the field together, had one of the best tight end QB duos in the NFL last year, if you look at the numbers. Well, well, I'm talking about like more games. That's a few games. So maybe that's a promise. Like I said, I have him at six. I think he has so much potential to reach even the top three by next year. Because so I am a believer in Evan Ingram. But another lot of people also say Evan Ingram is not built like a tight end. He's built like a wide receiver. So he has that capability for both. That should put him in more, more of a reason why he should be higher than six. But the Are you making an argument for why he's not in the top five, or why he should be in the top five. Right now, your argument sounds like you want to put him in the top five. I'm making a, that, that's a call, yes. I, I'm, 
it was a tough decision to put Ingram at six. Because I thought the other tight ends better ahead of him. So I put him at six as the next guy in to the top five. That's the way I look at it for Ingram. He's the next guy in. So we'll move on from Ingram talk there because we got a little confused. Ingram number six, solid number six, hands down. We're going to go my number seven. And I'm going to agree with the number seven that they had for Jared Cook with CBS. I think Jared Cook has been a solid tight end for the Saints, has been a guy that Drew Brees looks to throw the ball. Um, and I just think that he's going to have a consistent year to what he has in the, had in the past with the Saints. So Jared Cook, number seven. Uh, my USA Today 7 was Darren Waller, and Darren Waller kind of came onto the scene last year in Oakland, which is why I had him at 5 before, and um, my number 7 is a guy that I've been hyping up on our Twitter and everywhere, because I think he's very slept on. I mean, it's Jack Doyle. Um, he's been in Indianapolis a while. Uh, he was hurt two years ago, came back last year, but was sharing a tight end room with Eric Ebron. But now you're pairing him up with, and Ebron's gone now, but now you're pairing him up with Philip Rivers, who is known to be a guy who loves tight ends. I mean, he had Antonio Gates, and they had a connection for a really long time, and they had Hunter Henry, who also had a great connection with Philip Rivers. So that's why you put Jack Doyle, who's already was a very productive tight end when he's healthy. I put see him in my top ten. And I think number seven is a mediocre spot for him. I mean, he can have a floor that's 15. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't can make the connection, but he can also have a ceiling that's top three, in my opinion. So that's what, why Jack Doyle is in my top ten. Moving on to eight, I have Jared Cook on the Saints. I mean, he had a very good couple games at the end of the year last year, making that connection with Drew Brees. Um, I do think having Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara and now Emmanuel Sanders going to hurt his production a little bit, but... I still think Drew Brees will be looking for him around the end zone. Uh, I don't agree with having Hunter Henry in the top 10 like USA Today did at 8. I think he is going to lose a little bit of production because I don't know if Tyrod Taylor or Justin Herbert, whoever the quarterback may be, is going to look his way as much as they do for Keenan Allen, Eckler, and Mike Williams. I mean, he couldn't have said it better uh, about uh, Jack Doyle because USA Today had... Jack, uh, USA Today had my best. CBS had Austin Hooper at eight. So Austin Hooper here, um, I don't see him at eight. I see I have him at ten, so I'll talk about that a little bit later on. But like I said, my point of Chris couldn't have said about Jack Doyle. I put Doyle at eight and I see Doyle reaching top three potential already said or going as low as ten to twelve, something around that area. Um uh, Phil Rivers loves tight ends. QB of the Colts. Jack Doyle. Now he's the only tight end there. I can only see the potential move up even higher than what it was before. Um, and we're number nine. And CBS has Tyler Higby. And I'm sorry, but I don't see how people think Tyler Higby is a top 10 tight end. To be honest, I don't think he's even a top 12 tight end in total. Because... He had a fluke year. Yeah, he had Jerry Goff throwing the ball. Like, you, you can't base it off one year. I haven't seen Tyler Higby coming to the scene until last year. I don't see him at top ten. It's embarrassing to be there. I want to know what CBS is smoking and putting him at number nine. But I'll say my number nine, and I hyped him up since his rookie year he came into the league. And that's Mike Gusecki with the 
uh, Miami Dolphins. Um, coming in with new QBs, Fitzpatrick has some qu- so, some sort of connection with him. Now Tua coming in. I can only see Gusecki go up higher, and maybe this is the year he breaks down to be a, st- a top tight end. Um, I think Higby, I think those are harsh. I mean, Higby had the best three-game three stretch, something it was, of a tight end last year, all last year. I mean... And now you take Brandon Cooks out of the situation. They they were waiting for Higby to do that. They were waiting for those games. I just don't have him in my top ten. I mean, I think he's definitely close. He's definitely one of the guys that are close. I, I mean, I can't see it. I just I don't know how I you can say he's not it. top twelve. I mean, I think he's definitely top twelve. But no. we'll see. But my anyway, my number nine is Jimmy Graham, and that's someone that I think is slept on. I mean, he had some of the best seasons as a tight end in New Orleans. Then it kind of dropped off from there. And now he's back in the system where I think they're going to focus on. I mean, who else is Trubisky going to throw the ball to besides Allen Robinson? So I think Jimmy Graham can have a great season. I mean, they got Trey Burton from Philadelphia hoping he'd be productive, and he wasn't. So hopefully he's the guy that Matt Nagy's been looking for. Um, USA Today had Ebron at 9. And, I mean, he's another guy that's close to the top 10, but I just don't think is top 10. And then at 10, Higby, like I said before, I mean – he had a great three-game stretch last year. I'm pretty sure he had like over 120 yards each game. Um, I, and I think they find a way to get him the ball. No Todd Gurley anymore. He's going to be real um, – Goff's going to be looking for a security blanket. Um, I think Higby can definitely be top 12. But my number 10 is Mike Kosicki on the Dolphins. Like, no, had him at nine. But Kosicki is someone that has been injured since coming to the league. I mean, he's someone that the Dolphins took hoping – They'd be the guy. He'd be the guy, I mean. Um, so I definitely see him being top 10, sneaking into the top 10. Um, yeah. So CBS had Hunter Henry at 10, and um, I see Hunter Henry being similar to the top 10 and Bobby Close. I just don't see him in the top 10 this year with that, with that QB situation that he's faced with and the many injuries that he may have faced and things like that with the Chargers. But I'll say my top 10, and my top 10 are Austin Hooper. I've hyped the Browns up, and I've hyped the Alvin the coordinator up, and the QBs up for Baker Mayfield. I think Austin Hooper had a very solid chance to be a top 10, maybe even higher than top 10 with the production that he can get in Cleveland. He had great production with Matt Ryan and Atlanta. He can only go up higher between that with Baker Mayfield. And yes, there's a lot of weapons, and people may say, they have Odell. They have two running backs. They have Jarvis. Well, a lot of teams have great wide receivers and great running backs. And if Arthur Newber, which I feel is that good of a tight end, he can still produce and be a top 10 tight end with all those other weapons. Um, so we always do a sleeper at the end of these, so I'll go with my sleeper. I think it's Eric Ebron. Um, Eric Ebron is a great tight end. He's, yes, he's bounced around the league a little bit. But he's heading to, he, now he's heading to the Steelers. Which, yet again, there's some weapons there, but there's not a lot. Big Ben's coming back. Um, give him more chance to get targets. And Ebron's a solid tight end. I really think he's a sleeper. Maybe could slide in the top 10 this year with high production. My sleeper is someone that a lot of people will be like, who the heck is that at first? But it's Jonu Smith the Tennessee Titans tight end and many people don't remember he probably had the biggest play in the playoffs last year against the Ravens in the end zone he made a one-handed catch in the corner of the end zone 
Um, I think he's a guy that now with Delaney Walker gone and Ryan Tannehill trying to figure out that offense that can create a connection with Ryan Tannehill. So I think John Smith was the perfect guy to put there as someone that can sneak into the top 10, sneak into top 12, even if you want to put it there. But anyway, we're moving on. We have our Tiger Hawk of the Week this week, and I feel like every time Dallas signs someone, it's going to be Tiger Hawk of the Week just because of their brand. But not even that. It's the caliber of the player that they got. And Dallas signed last night Everson Griffin to a one-year deal. And let me tell you, Dallas was good to begin with. Now they just got a hell of a lot better. I mean, you put a defensive line together. They play uh, 4-3 or 3-4 where they have four down linemen. Mm-hmm. And they have, on the outside, Demarcus Lawrence and Everson Griffin. And then they have Gerald McCoy and Don Terry Poe on the inside. With Leighton Bandress, Sean Lee, and Jalen Smith playing linebacker behind them. Yeah, you don't have Sean Lee. Even after their starters of Sean Lee, Jalen Smith, and Leighton Bandress, they have, to back up, they have Alden Smith, um, Randy Gregory on the outside, and then on the inside, they still have Antoine Woods and Tyrone Crawford. So you think of their starters, you think of their backups, they still have, they probably have one of the best front sevens in the NFL now, along with the offense that they have. I, I totally agree. The only question the Cowboys have right now is their secondary, and I think their secondary is very underrated. Xavier Woods, ha-ha Clinton Dix they signed, if you don't remember, and then their corners are Trayvon, Trayvon Diggs and Chidobe Uje. I couldn't agree more. Um, there's no other person to be Tiger of the Week than this week, than Evan Griffith. Um, he's coming to a team that already had a stacked D-line with Dallas Cowboys. And now you add him to what is already the stacked D-line, and there's only a shit ton of uh, potential for the Cowboys, especially on the defense. Um, and I just don't see you, how... I don't see how people can say that Evan Griffin, the D-line, is not going to be a, like, a, top, like, a top defense this year. I you think, know it's a good move when... I was scrolling through Twitter earlier this morning, and I saw Giants fan pages saying, like, they hate to admit it, but the Dallas Cowboys are scared. Like, that's when you yeah, know it was a good move. And I, I 100% agree with that. Uh, it, it's, Everson Griffin is a piece to the Dallas Cowboys that could make them a playoff-bound team and maybe even a Super Bowl caliber team with that Scary D line, the scary linebackers they have, and the scary offense they that put together. Um, but speaking of offense, we'll move on from the Tiger Hawk of the Week. Everything Griffith settled in. Why don't we talk about big, like we just talked about tight ends. And there's two extensions that came out this week that are massive. Kittle got an extension, and Kelsey got an extension. And I don't blame that. That, that is the smartest move for those franchises. Signing their guy, their tight end, who's the top two tight end in the league, to a long-term deal just to go make the floor even higher for them to succeed in the future. Uh, yeah, 100%. I mean, Kittle and Kelsey are both our one and two. They both got extensions today. Um, Kittle, on the one hand, got broke the bank. I mean, he got a five-year, $75 million contract extension or whatever it was when he had a year left before he hit free agency. And, I mean, he reset the market. He's making $15 million a year, and, I mean, He's only $5 million out for being top paid wide receiver, which I think he holds that value to the San Francisco 49ers because they don't have receivers that are going to 
take the top off defenses. They rely on George Kittle in the passing game. So that's why I think for the 49ers and Kittle, it's a great move. I mean, 49ers got their franchise guy. Kittle got his money. Um, And then Kelsey, I don't know how much I agree with the move. I mean, he had two years left on his deal. Um, He got... He got less than Kelsey, which was four years, $57 million, I think his deal was. But it's And he took an increase in the money that he's already making. So I think he was making around like $17 million on the two years he already had, and now he's making $22 million. And then the rest is back half, probably because of Mahomes. But the rest of his contract is all in the back half of that four-year deal. So it's like the his fifth, sixth year, technically. That he I mean, has, because he's making all the money, but he'll be in his mid thirties yeah. by that point. So I mean, like, think about this too. I mean, Kelsey already brought attention to Mahomes. He might have been thinking, "All right, I'm going to take the money. I, yes, I'm going to increase. Yes, I may get some more money in my back half of the contract." But they already have a. They, he won a championship there, so now he's thinking, "Oh wait, now I'm going to win more, and maybe not really thinking about the money aspect and much of the aspect. I want to play the game, and I want to stick with a team that I've had success with." Talking about extensions, I mean, you have two of the biggest name free agents that are still out there, Jadavion Clowney and Logan Ryan. But I don't really know. I think they're two very different situations. I mean, Logan Ryan is someone that's looking for the money straight up. He's had offers. I know that from the Jets. I heard the Giants. I heard a couple other. I think the Seahawks gave him an offer. But he just wants that money. But now, today, I heard that he's dealing himself as safety and his agent sent a stat sheet out to every, of ranking every single safety in the NFL, and then him at the bottom, and it was like, he had, he did have better numbers as a safety than most of the safeties, but his agent clearly wants that money for him to be doing that. Send it to all 32 NFL teams, and then you have Clowney on the other hand, who I think is just in a bad situation because he just got core surgery, so teams are being hesitant to sign him when they can't really see if he's physically fit. So, I, and to predict where they're going, I mean, I think, uh, I, I think the Seahawks are looking for uh, an edge rusher, but Clowney's going to have to take a deal where he's taking less money. Um, and if anyone's going to give him around the money that he wants, I think he's going to end up on the New York Jets. Because the Jets players are pushing for him. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up on a team like he wants to play for a championship team. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up on, like, the Steelers or something, to be completely honest with you. or And then Logan Ryan, I really couldn't tell you who's going to pay top dollar for a cornerback this late in the offseason. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he sits out. But, like, uh, it, honestly, I, would you be surprised if the Dallas Cowboys go out and pay Logan Ryan? I wouldn't be at all. I mean, they, they have they, questions at secondary. Yeah. I mean, you put yeah. the corner, veteran cornerback yep. over there. I mean, I think, I was going to say that, I mean, I think Logan Ryan, as a veteran guy, he has to understand that at this point, no one's going to want to give him that big contract money at just yet. So he's got to take that deal, no matter where he goes, the Cowboys upgrade the secondary. He's on a playoff team, and they make up Logan Ryan, you know, like I said before, with Edison, Everson, Griffith, they even going to be a Super Bowl caliber team with Logan Ryan, the secondary that they've now made better with Logan Ryan there. Um, I think Logan Ryan's a solid cornerback. I don't think he's a solid safety. He's done it both. He's a good guy in the secondary for a team. Um, prediction for Logan Ryan. 
Um, like I said, go anyway. I mean, the Seahawks may could have could have had him. They needed him if, if the money suits him. Um, Giants need a cornerback now after the loss to DeAndre Baker and the lack of second they may have. So Logan Ryan could be a possibility there for them. Um, we're talking the big guy here, and it's Clowney. Um, Hold on, before we move on to Clowney, I wouldn't even be surprised. Logan Ryan reunites with Bill Belichick in New England. I mean, mm-hmm. put Stefan Gilmore and Logan Ryan on the same field. Who knows? I mean, they did lose a lot of guys to opting out, so you never know what can happen. I mean, New England is already going to have a target on their back with Tom Brady gone. Cool. So, I mean, I see it. That, that's a great call. I mean, he's already had a connection there, so I can see him going there. Yet again, it's all about Logan Ryan and how he wants to play his cards right. If he's playing the cards to play ball, we're playing the cards for the money. Because if it's for the money, he, he's going to sit out this year, hands down, no doubt, no brainer. Um, but for Clowney's sake, um, the core injury is definitely something people are skeptical about, it, especially the teams. But his talent, I just don't see him not being signed to a team. Um, he is a unique talent in, in D-line. He does a lot for a team. He forces pressure even though he doesn't get to the QB and gets the QB scared with the jitters that, oh, I have Klein coming on my back. My old line better step it up. Um, so there's a lot of teams that would definitely be a uh, help to getting Clowney on their team. Um, Jets are one of them. But if, if Jets are willing to find another deal with Clowney, it's the Seahawks. Realistically, I think he's going back to the Seahawks. He did great with the Seahawks. Seahawks know what he's getting with him. Um, and I think if the Seahawks don't do it, it's going to be a really bad move for the Seahawks because with the addition of Jamal Adams and now adding Clowney to their defense, their ceiling, as we talked about, is only going to go higher with having him on the team. Um, so I just see Clowney going to the Seahawks. No brainer there. Um, but we'll move on to the next topic. And we're talking about the ceiling. We're talking about how teams have done. But you can't have a team without a GM. And I think there's no question asking who the best GM in the league is. I have Jerry Jones as the best GM. And with the signing of Everton Griffin now, and the, the, the draft he had by getting a center that they needed, with almost constant, no less, uh, wide receiver... Uh, in the first round, then getting a cornerback in the second in the second in the second round, plus getting all of the pieces to fill in spots that they need in a draft, and then sign people. There's no doubt in my mind that Jerry Jones is the best GM, and that's hurt coming from a fan in in in, that, in the division to say that. I just think Jerry Jones is unbelievable and an unbelievable talent, and is making the Dallas Cowboys a Super Bowl team real soon. Quite frankly, it could be this year. 100% agree. I mean, Jerry Jones is the best GM in the NFL. It's not even close. And I say it's not even close because not even talking about just what they did last year, or, I mean, this year. But you look at the drafts that they had in the last couple of years. I mean, this year they have CeeDee Lamb in the first round. They got Diggs in the second, second round. They got Patrick Ro- or Reggie Robinson in the third round. They got Baidez to replace their Steel. center. Steel. They got Bradley and I, who was supposed to be a second-round pick in, like, the fifth round. I mean, they got Neville Gilmore, who was supposed to be a third-round pick in the sixth round. So they have all these guys. It's absolutely unbelievable. And, and then when I get you go too. back to 2018, they didn't have a first-round pick. Their first-round pick was Amari Cooper. Look and at the production. Look at the production he's had. And they signed him this year. And then you have Tony Pollard, who they got last year. Can't remember who they got. They had 
Tristan Hill, who I mean, who, he could be pretty good. I mean, if he gets the reps, but I mean, then and you then, go back. Yes, you go back, you go back twenty seventeen. Yeah. They had Dak. That was twenty sixteen, but I'm trying to oh. think who's twenty seventeen. All right, twenty sixteen. We're going to our side. They got Elliot in that draft, and then they signed Wait, this no. guy Dash in the fifth round. Wait, twenty seventeen. Who did they get? Was that Van Der Esch? It was Van Der Esch. That was Van Der Esch. It was Van Der Esch. They got right, Van Der Esch. They got and Gallup. And look at the piece on the team right now. Look at Gallup on the team right now. Look at Woods on the team right now. Like, Jerry Jones has developed a team. Yeah, it took time, yes. And now we got Mike McCarthy. Great head coach. That Great signing. That goes into the signings this year. I think yes. Mike McCarthy has a bit more of a bird in the ear of Jerry Jones this year than Garrett did in the mm-hmm. past. Because you look at their... They have a laundress of signings to one-year deals. Sure. They have... Haha Quinn Dix, Gerald McCoy, Don Terry Poe, now Everson Griffin. They have. Who else? They have. They got more. Possibly Logan Ryan. They had uh, Cameron Irving, yeah. tackle from the Chiefs, who's there's, pretty there's good, who's an underrated signing. Greg Zerline. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think, and then to revamp the coaching staff and get Fassel, who was the best uh, special teams coordinator in my opinion in the NFL. Um, they got. Uh, they still got Kellen Moore, and then they have Mike Nolan, their defensive coordinator, who I think is it's, very good. It's what what has Jerry Jones so, done between 2016 to the people they have then to now 2020, or the signings and the draft has he that he's had, and he's a great drafter. Jerry Jones, best GM this offseason and best GM in the NFL, hands down in the books. That's um, why I think Joe Douglas needs to take a couple notes at Jerry Jones' yeah. book. I mean, that's why he's my worst GM in the NFL. And to me, not even what he did this year, but he drafted Jamal Adams, and that was his only good pick in the last couple of years. I mean, who else did they get? They got McKee Becton, and that wasn't who they were supposed to get. I mean, McKee Becton might be – he could be good, but he's the most questionable draft pick. Mm-hmm. Out of all the tackles they had available, he was the most questionable one they drafted. I mean, Sam Darnold, apparently he's seeing ghosts, and apparently Mike Greenberg thinks he's going to be the best quarterback in the NFL. But we'll see. I've just done, and then the trade. I mean, he did good, get a good yeah. amount back, but they didn't get the receiver that they've needed for years. They didn't get an edge rush they needed. They got Le'Veon Bell, I will say that. Yeah, and I think he's going to bounce back here. But for right now, Douglas is not good GM. The moves he's making is not I, I agree with that. I mean, I've just the Jets for so many episodes now, and I understand I agree. Joe Douglas better step his game up if he wanted the Jets to look as good as the Cowboys and Joey Jones. Um, but I, I'll move on to my uh, worst GM, and it's David Caldwell. Um, I just, after what the Jaguars were what turned sixteen or turned seventeen made the playoffs. AFC championship. Yeah, AFC championship. What sixteen, seventeen, one one of those years. I don't yeah, in one of the years, and you can't even remember that now because they've sucked every year after that. They had Saxonville. Okay. Saxonville yes. in like twenty seventeen when they had mm-hmm. the most, almost the most sacks in a year and, by a single team. And now they're nobody's. Yeah, Blake Borders was a mistake, and he was good maybe a year or two, and now he's gone. Um. But you've had the gap to build around and try to get a QB, and they're still with Minshew. Minshew magic, okay? If Minshew magic, I love Gardner Minshew. So do I. He's but a he, savage. But he he has he hasn't done enough to be 
No, I think he has. They're the number one guy, though. Yeah, they have Fournette, but now they're going to keep Fournette at the question. I just think they've had pieces in the past, and now this offseason, one and go, one and gone, and they haven't done what they needed to look as good as the other teams. In the I NFL. think what they did is they're clean in house. I mean, obviously, you could tell after they lost in the AFC Championship game. I mean, they thought Blake Bortles was their guy. They had to, agreed, agreed. They. They just got unlucky. I mean, they had to restart again, and I think they're in the right direction. It's not like the Jets, where they're going 100% in the wrong direction. Agree. But, but the Jaguars are in the right direction. I mean, they have Gardner Minshew, who I think could be talented. They keep Fournette. They have LaVisca Chenault and DJ Chark on the offense. Hmm. So you, have, you build an offense, all you got to do is build a defense. Jets, they, yeah. like, they have yeah. holes yeah. everywhere. Oh, Jets have holes everywhere. And I'm not saying the Jags don't have holes. I'm saying the Jags, from what they were from then, and now have to go to the rebuild process, I mean, it takes time. So, uh, yeah. Hope, I mean, hopefully, Jack's turning around and David Caldwell can be as good as the best GM in the league in Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys, who I think is, that, like I said, Super Bowl Cowboy team this year after signing everything different. But we're in the show here. It was a lot of information, a lot of talk about the Cowboys, a lot of talk about tight ends. Um, I mean, yeah. we're on Twitter, YouTube, kind of got on Instagram. That one is. Harder to keep up with, but the bigger we get, the more we'll try. Um, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, comment anything you want to hear us talk about. Um, and yeah. Tiger walks out.